Chapter 11, Section 3 of The Promise of American Life by Herbert Crawley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by The Progressing America Project. Chapter 11, Section 3 Possibilities of Effective State Action. The questions relating to the kind of reforms which these reorganized state governments might and should attempt to bring about need not be considered in any detail. In the case of the states, institutional reconstruction is necessarily prior to social reconstruction, and the objects for which their improved powers can be best used need at present only be indicated. These objects include, in fact, practically all the primary benefits which a state ought to confer upon its citizens. And it is because the states have so largely failed to confer these primary benefits that the reconstruction necessarily assumes a radical complexion. It is absurd to discuss American local governments as agents of individual and social amelioration until they begin to meet their most essential and ordinary responsibilities in a more satisfactory manner. Take, for instance, the most essential function of all, that of maintaining order. A state government which could not escape and had the courage to meet its responsibilities would necessarily demand from the people a police force which was really capable of keeping the peace. It could not afford to rely upon local bosses and the militia. It would need a state constabulary, subject to its control and numerous enough for all ordinary emergencies. Such bodies of state police, efficiently used, could not only prevent the lawlessness which frequently accompanies strikes, but it could gradually stamp out lynch law. Lynching, which is the product of excited local feeling, will never be stopped by the sheriffs, because they are afraid of local public opinion. It will never be stopped by the militia, because the militia is slow to arrive and is frequently undisciplined. But it can be stopped by a well-trained and well-disciplined state constabulary, which can be quickly concentrated, and which would be independent of merely local public opinion. When other states besides Pennsylvania establish constabularies, it will be an indication that they really want to keep order and when the southern states in particular organize forces of this kind, there will be reason to believe that they really desire to do justice to the negro criminal and remove one of the ugliest aspects of the race question. A well-informed state government would also necessarily recognize the intimate connection between the prevention of lynching and the speedy and certain administration of criminal justice. It would seek not merely to stamp out disorder, but to anticipate it by doing away with the substantial injustice wrought by the procedure of the great majority of American criminal courts. It is unnecessary to dwell at any length upon the work of reorganization, which would confront a responsible state government, in relation to the punishment and the prevention of crime, because public opinion is becoming aroused to the dangers, which threaten American society from the escape of criminals, and the lax and sluggish administration of the criminal laws. But the remark must be made that our existing methods of framing, executing, and expounding criminal laws are merely an illustration of the extent to which the state governments, under the influence of traditional legal and political preconceptions, have subordinated the collective social interest to that of the possible individual criminal. And no thoroughgoing reform will be possible until these traditional preconceptions have themselves been abandoned, and a system substituted which makes the state the efficient friend of the collective public interest and the selected individual. Assuming, then, 
that they use their increased powers more effectually for the primary duty of keeping order and administering civil and criminal justice reforming state governments could proceed to many additional tasks they could redeem very much better than they do their responsibility to their wards the insane and the convicted criminals at the present time some states have fairly satisfactory penitentiaries reformatories and insane asylums while other states have utterly unsatisfactory ones but in all the states both the machinery and the management are capable of considerable improvement the steady increase both of crime and insanity is demanding the most serious consideration of the whole problem presented by social dereliction particularly for the purpose of separating out those criminals and feeble-minded people who are capable of being restored to the class of useful citizens in fact a really regenerated state government might even consider the possible means of preventing crime and insanity it might have the hardihood to inquire whether the institution of marriage which would remain under exclusive state protection does not in its present form have something to do with the prevalence and increase of insanity and crime and it might conceivably reach the conclusion that the enforced celibacy of hereditary criminals and incipient lunatics would make for individual and social improvement even more than would a maximum passenger fare on the railroads of two cents a mile moreover while their eyes were turned to our american success in increasing the social as well as the economic output they might pause a moment to consider the marvelous increase of divorces they might reflect whether this increase like that of the criminals and the insane did not afford a possible subject of legislation and i doubt whether even a regenerate state government would reach any very quick or satisfactory conclusions in respect to this matter public opinion does not appear to have decided whether the social fact of divorce abounding is to be considered as an abuse or as a fulfillment of the existing institution of marriage neither need the pernicious activity of such a government cease after it has succeeded in radically improving its treatment of the criminal and its lunatics and in possibly doing something to make the american home less precarious if less cheerful it might then turn its attention to the organization of labor in relation to which as we shall see presently the states may have the opportunity for effective work or an inquiry might be made as to whether the educational system of the country which should remain under exclusive state jurisdiction is well adapted to the extremely complicated purpose of endowing its various pupils with the general and special training most helpful to the creation of genuine individuals useful public servants and loyal and contented citizens of their own states in this matter of education the state governments particularly in the north have shown abundant and encouraging good will but it is characteristic of their general inefficiency that a good will has found its expression in a comparatively bad way it would serve no good purpose to push any farther the list of excellent objects to which the state governments might devote their liberated and liberalized energies we need only add that they would then be capable not merely of more efficient separate action but also of far more profitable cooperation in case the states were emancipated from their existing powerless subjection to individual special and parochial interests the advantages of a system of federated states would be immediately raised to the limit the various questions of social and educational reform can only be advanced towards a better understanding and perhaps a partial solution by a continual process of experimentation 
undertaken with the full appreciation that they were tentative and would be pushed farther, or withdrawn according to the nature of their results. Obviously a state government is a much better political agency for the making of such experiments than is a government whose errors would affect the population of the whole country. No better machinery for the accomplishment of a progressive program of social reform could be advised than a collection of governments endowed with the powers of an American state, and really desirous of advancing particular social questions towards their solution. Such a system would be flexible, it would provoke emulation, it would encourage initiative, and it would take advantage of local ebullitions of courage and insight, and any peculiarly happy local collection of circumstances. Finally, if in addition to the merits of a system of generous competition, it could add those of occasional consultation and cooperation, such as is implied by the proposed House of Governors, the organization for social reform would leave little to be desired. The governors who would meet in consultation would be the real political leaders of their several states, and they should meet, not so much for the purpose of agreeing upon any single group of reforming measures, as for the purpose of comparing notes obtained under widely different conditions, and as the result of different legislative experiments. Just in so far as this mixture of generous competition and candid cooperation was seeking to accomplish constructive social purposes, for which the powers of the states, each within its geographical limits, were fully adequate, just to that extent it could hardly fail to make headway in the direction of social reform. If the state governments are to reach their maximum usefulness in the American political system, they must not only be self-denying in respect to the central government, but generous in respect to their creatures, the municipal corporations. There are certain business and social questions of exclusively or chiefly local importance, which would be left to the municipal governments. And it is as characteristic of the unregenerate state governments, of the past and the present, that they have interfered where they ought not to interfere, as that they have not interfered where they had an excellent opportunity for effective action. A politically regenerated state would guarantee in its constitution a much larger measure of home rule to the cities than they now enjoy, while at the same time the reformed legislative authority would endeavor to secure the edifying exercise of these larger powers, not by an embarrassing system of supervision, but by the concentration of the administrative power and responsibility to the municipal authorities. I shall not attempt to define in detail how far the measure of home rule should go, but it may be said in general that the functions delegated or preserved should so far as possible be completely delegated or preserved. This rule cannot be rigidly applied to such essential functions of the state governments as the preservation of order and the system of education. The delegation of certain police powers and a certain control over local schools is considered at present both convenient and necessary, although in the course of time such may no longer be the case. But if these essential functions are delegated, the state should retain a certain supervision over the manner of their exercise. On the other hand, the municipality as an economic and business organism should be left pretty much to its own devices and it is not too much to say that the state should not interfere in these matters at all, except under the rarest and most exceptional conditions. The reasons for municipal home rule in all economic and business questions are sufficiently obvious. A state is a political and legal body, and as a political and legal body it cannot escape its appropriate political and social responsibilities. 
but a state has in the great majority of cases no meaning at all as a centre of economic organization and direction the business carried on within state limits is either essentially related by competition to the national economic system or else it is essentially municipal in its scope and meaning of course such a statement is not strictly true the states have certain essential economic duties in respect to the conservation and development of agricultural resources and methods and to the construction and maintenance of a comprehensive system of highways but these legitimate economic responsibilities are not very numerous or very onerous compared to those which should be left to the central government on the one hand or to the municipal governments on the other a municipality is a living center of economic activity a genuine case of essentially local economic interests to be sure the greater part of the manufacturing or commercial business transacted in a city belongs undubitably to the national economic system but there is a minor part which is exclusively local public service corporations which control franchises in cities do not enter into interstate commerce at all except in those unusual cases as in new york where certain parts of the economic municipal body are situated in another state they should be subject consequently to municipal jurisdiction and only that the city alone has anything really important to gain or to lose from their proper or improper treatment and its legal responsibility should be as complete as its economic localization is real there is no need of discussing in any detail the way in which a municipal government which does enjoy the advantage of home rule and an efficient organization can contribute to the work of national economic and social reconstruction public opinion is tending to accept much more advanced ideas in this field of municipal reform than it is in any other part of the political battlefield experiments are already being tried looking in the direction of an increasingly responsible municipal organization and an increasing assumption by the city of economic and social functions numerous books are being written on various aspects of the movement which is showing the utmost vitality and is constantly making progress in the right direction in all probability the american city will become in the near future the most fruitful field for economically and socially constructive experimentation and the effect of the example set therein will have a beneficially reactive effect upon both state and federal politics the benefits which the city governments can slowly accomplish within their own jurisdiction are considerable they do not indeed constitute the exclusive hope of democracy because the ultimate democratic hope depends on the fulfillment of national responsibilities and they cannot deal effectively with certain of the fundamental social questions but by taking advantage of its economic opportunities the american city can gradually diminish the economic stress within its own jurisdiction it has a unique chance of appropriating for the local community those sources of economic value which are created by the community and it has an equally unique opportunity of spending the money so obtained for the amelioration of the sanitary if not of the fundamental economic and social condition of the poorer people there is finally one fundamental national problem with which the state governments no matter to what extent they may be liberated and invigorated are wholly incompetent to deal the regulation of commerce the control of corporations and the still more radical questions connected with the distribution of wealth and the prevention of poverty 
questions of this kind should be left exclusively to the central government or in case they are to any extent allowed to remain under the jurisdiction of the states they should exercise such jurisdiction as the agents of the central government the state governments lack and must always lack the power and the independence necessary to deal with this whole group of problems and as long as they remain preoccupied therewith their effective energy and good intentions will be diverted from the consideration of those aspects of political and social reform with which they are peculiarly competent to deal the whole future prosperity and persistence of the american federal system is bound up in the progressive solution of this group of problems and if it is left to the conflicting jurisdiction of the central and local governments the american democracy will have to abandon in this respect the idea of seeking the realization of a really national policy justification for these statements will be offered in the following chapter end of chapter eleven